Hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome to Spiritual Conversation, honest and joyful explorations of ideas to help us align with our true spiritual purpose and live our best lives. I am your host, Jacqueline Clare, Mermaid of the Airwaves, here to take your hand and go on some deep dives together. Joining me today is an amazing couple with a unique story to share about faith, healing, marriage, family and the home, and creating sacred space. Rachel and Jason Ilari. And I think the best introduction is going to be to start with how I met them because it really was an eye-opening and beautiful experience. So this was February, 2020. So right before everything got crazy for everyone. And I received an email from Jason and he was expressing his interest in purchasing artwork uh, very much from a Baha'i perspective. That's how he found me and Jason is Baha'i and Rachel's a Baha'i. And he shared in this initial correspondence that he was recovering from cancer. And as part of his family's commitment to healing, he was supporting Baha'i inspired creators and surrounding himself and his family and his home in the love and the beauty and the energy that he and his wife felt emanates from handmade works of art, you know, these expressions of love. And now that some time has passed, you know, a year and a half to almost two years, I wanted to invite them on to have a spiritual conversation and share their story about how they have used art and cultivated beauty and intention in their life to foster healing, deepening their marriage, and spiritualizing their home by creating sacred space. Perhaps not surprisingly, Rachel is an intuitive, heart-centered person. She is a professional mother roaster, providing guidance, coaching, and courses to help women heal their connection to their womb and monthly cycles, as well as preconception, postpartum, and instinctual mother mothering education. And you can learn more on her website, which will be linked in the show notes, rachelielari.com. And Jason has worked in the museum industry for 20 years, serving as a curator, historic site manager, development officer, executive director, and now as an independent museum consultant, helping small and mid-sized museums with strategic planning, spatial planning, and fundraising. As I mentioned, they are both devoted members of the Baha'i faith, and Jason served at the Baha'i World Center in Haifa, Israel, before attending college, and it was there where he became fascinated with history, art, and culture, and he shares his passion for Baha'i-inspired art as a hobby on his blog, Bless the Watchmen, and we will get a, be getting more into that during this episode as well. So with that, you guys, welcome to Spiritual Conversation. It's really an honor to be here with you. Isn't it fun? It's like coming full circle. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that was really a moving introduction, Jacqueline. Thank oh, you for sweet. everything you're doing. Oh, you guys are awesome. Well, same to you. I'm really excited about this discussion. And now that I've shared sort of my side of the story of how we connected and, and what I know of what you guys are doing, I would love it if you would just start sort of at the beginning, which would be like, a, some of that journey leading up to that initial email that I got, you know, the, the onset and diagnosis and of the cancer, and then how you guys chose to respond to that as a family. Hmm. Do you want me to take it from here? <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, Rachel and I met in college, and I think that right off the bat, we, um, and this was 20, 20 years ago or so, and right off the bat, I think we had definitely a deep connection with each other um, that's been maturing year after year. And like any couple or person, uh, they go through tests and trials in their life and you know, we had a, a series of difficulties like any person would. And, you know, you try to become stronger in through those tests and difficulties and become a stronger Baha'i and a, a stronger helpmate and so on and so forth, a stronger parent. And I think, at least for me, uh, my, my journey was, was one of where I put perhaps... I put a lot of time and attention and energy into my career. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, I think it was becoming a little bit unbalanced. And I don't understand, begin to understand the mysteries of the universe. But uh, right before the pandemic hit, I was diagnosed with a, with a colon cancer. And that really shook me to my core in terms of my my perspective on life and family and work and striking more of a balance and so yeah i was um kind of doing the crazy hour 40 50 60 hour a week um work 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 and I, I really feel like it was out of balance and the diagnosis and then the subsequent surgery and then the, the, the quest for an appropriate treatment for me and, and my family, that, that <laughs> it just put the pause button on everything. Mm -hmm. And that's when I really began to think about what my passions were. And I've always had a passion for for Baha'i inspired art, but it was always kind of tabled. You know, it was, I was, I kind of suffered from the someday syndrome. Well, someday I'll get to that. Someday I'll maybe put more of an emphasis of that in my life. And um, 2020 was someday. <laughs> yeah. And Rachel sitting yeah. here was there right with me every step of the way. <laughs> Do you think I summed it? pretty clearly, Rachel? Yes. <laughs> so was the inspiration to examine and nurture your passions, was it just that, that reminder of 
like mortality and that you were just moving too fast and pushing too hard? Is that what made you want to, you know, look at, well, what am I passionate about? Yeah, I think, um, I think it was, I, I began journaling at the time I was going to a, a clinic, which we might talk about later, but I was, I was going to a clinic after the surgery. I was journaling quite a bit about, um, just my life. And I wanted to share with Daniel and Luca, our sons, you know, what my life was like and what I did in my career. And at that point, everything was so open-ended. I didn't have a sense of, of where my health was. I mean, I felt like the surgery went well and I felt like I was going, moving in the right direction, but there hadn't been really all of the tests coming in saying, hey, Jason, you're really in the clear. So I was especially thinking about Daniel and Luca and wanting to write down sort of a journal, so to speak, of my life to share with them, um, kind of that memory. And it was in that journal that it sort of hit me that I had to kind of take hold of every single moment. And then Daniel said something to me, Rachel, do you remember what it was? It was something related to me being home at the time and I can't remember the exact words, but I remember him saying something along the lines of you're, you're being a better dad. Wow. Yeah. And that really, really kind of rocked me to the core. <laughs> and it was at that time when I really began to shift my perspective on the, the cancer diagnosis and my having to resign from work. Mm -hmm. And it, it, in a very strange way, the cancer became this blessing in my life, um, which is uh, really <laughs> sort of difficult to wrap words around because mm -hmm. no one would want to say mm -hmm. cancer is a blessing. But from my point of view and where I was headed in my life and the changing of my perspective and my, my deeper appreciation for Rachel and Daniel and Luca, I, I, I really do think even sitting here now talking with you, it was, it was a blessing and is a blessing. That's amazing. And, and also really points at the name of your blog. <laughs> Mm. Uh, the Watchmen, I've talked about The Watchmen in some past episodes, a uh, wonderful metaphor, this uh, parable, I guess it is, in The Seven Valleys of Baha'u'llah, this mystical Baha'i book. And long story short, there's a, a very distressed person um, who happens to be walking alone at nighttime and these like night constables, watchmen, start pursuing him and he starts running and they start running and then it's it's almost like there's more of them and they're they're hounding in upon him and he's feeling you know all the pressures of life and the injustice of these uh, constables who are following him and and blocking everywhere he seeks to turn and he feels like he's under this pressure and everything is becoming more narrowed and in his final attempt to escape the pressure of these watchmen he scales this very high wall and just throws himself over like not even caring what happens to him and what happens is he lands in a garden and 
in that garden is his beloved, the woman that he's been longing for, who has her absence has been causing the initial distress. And so the presence of the watchman all pressuring in on him actually led him to what he had been so deeply yearning for and seeking all along. Mm -hmm. So it's such a great name for your your blog, blessing mm -hmm. the watchman, saying like, thank you mm -hmm. for these pressures and things that we would not ask for in the moment. But then, you know, I don't know if it's a matter of, you know, allowing God to work with them or just recognizing that God was there all along, but that mm. they're like leading you to something really beautiful. In your case, a more, um, you know, present and connected life, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think in a very, in, in the macro sense of that story, the, 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 the beloved in the garden definitely for me was a reconnection with, with the Baha'i faith and God, maybe on a more personal micro level. Uh, Rachel really was the beloved in the garden. Wow. I was seeking and, and, and continuing on with my treatments. It was leaning very much on her love and support and guidance, really, frankly, guidance on, on the best course of action for our family. Right. I have a slight detour question for you guys. I, I do really want to talk about sacred space and art and how mm. you've created a mindful home. But first, I, I can't help but want to ask, and I, and I wonder if there are people who will listen to this who are thinking this, that like, you know, I think we all value family life and quality time and, you know, a, a purpose driven life. And I think there's so many distractions in life that, that make it hard to live fully in alignment with those values. And one of the main ones is that people feel so pressured financially, like that they have to work those 60 hour week. Like, yeah, I'd love to be with my kids, but I have to do this. And, and there's a, a percentage of that. That's true. Like we have to earn a livelihood, but like, I guess, how, how would you sort of address someone's concerns who was like, yeah, I'd love to be there for my son, but I, you know, I can't, you know, I, ha I can't afford it. Like, how would you address that? And also maybe a little bit about what you've learned about work-life balance and that sort of thing. Hmm. Well, I, 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 for, for me, uh, I think, um, it was an extraordinary circumstance, but I noticed that there were times when Rachel would call at the office and say, hey, hon, when are you coming home? And I was sort of your typical, I'll be there in 15 minutes. Well, 15 minutes would go by and I'm not, I'm not grabbing the car keys and uh, getting home late. And, but then what I noticed is that when I was home, I it was almost like there was so much 
work and inertia that I couldn't slow it down even when I was home. So I couldn't, I couldn't get out of that mindset of working when I'm getting, when I was getting home at seven 30, eight o'clock at night. And so the attention to Rachel and Luke and Daniel was very much diminished. And so for me, so for folks that might have a concern with that, if you can set a limit when you're in the office of this can wait. And Rachel would always tell me it, it can wait. It's not an emergency. And and leave when you know your company is expecting you to leave. Um, that's, that's the other thing is sometimes we put these pressures on ourselves when they're not being put on us by anyone else, even in our, in our work. And so getting, getting home at a reasonable time and then being able to slow down that, that momentum from work can allow you to switch it off more quickly and then be there really present being present minded uh, for your, for your family or anyone you, you care about or you're with. Do you have any more thoughts about that, hon? No? No. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, that hmm. makes sense. It's just a matter of uh, prioritizing it and having boundaries and just knowing that you won't regret that choice too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I find it a really intriguing part of the story, your story of you guys deciding to collect artwork that touched your heart and that you felt could, you know, bring beauty and increase your, your healing journey. And I understand that you have an existing passion for art. So it wasn't totally left field, but I do think, you know, most people wouldn't say like most people haven't awakened to that idea of like you know being in this sort of crossroads life situation and being like hey I'm once a month or whatever the pattern is like I'm gonna spend some money on art you know like that's a very mm. unusual uh, choice to make in that space and I just found it so inspiring and so beautiful um, so again I know it's an existing interest and passion that you really got in touch with through your journaling and that process but maybe mm. a little bit more as a family how you guys chose to take on that project that you uh, wrote about on your blog and that sort of thing project was this one. well the project of 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 the blog itself and oh. collecting and in, you know Baha'i inspired artwork as part of this journey yeah well do you want to share the story about the artwork that was in the part of the house that we had moved well you have to refresh me well there we had a we had a lot of um we had a lot of art in the in the dining and living room yes and you had suggested that we begin to make transform that space yes do you want to share that story i just felt that the wall had served its time kind of like it was time to like shift it and refresh that space with potentially art of Baha'i temples i was just throwing ideas but to have it be a wall with things that would bring about good like stories and conversation mm -hmm. different just different 
yeah. different pieces that would evoke, what is that? Or wow, you know, there's a little bit of information about that painting, that picture. Yeah. So it, it, we had my my grandparents lived in Iran, actually. Uh, they're not Baha'is, but they lived in Iran in the 1970s and they collected a lot of artwork from Iran. And our living room space had a lot of that artwork. And then we were looking at it and Rachel said, you know, I think especially for gatherings um, in the future, if we ever, you know, can have bigger gatherings again, yes. it'd be nice to have Baha'i inspired art there that we can create conversation pieces. So the initial thrust came from just wanting to have pieces that we could talk about more in, in context of the Baha'i faith. I love that so much. And I've long felt that that art is always a conversation piece. And it's kind of unfortunate when the conversation is like, oh, yeah, I got that at Crate and Barrel, you know, like, <laughs> there's yeah. so much opportunity for the artwork to connect with your values, your faith, an amazing experience you had where you grew up a dream that you have had, like, mm. you know, there's so much potential there. Uh, because people will ask you about it. And, and of course, the conversation kind of lives on in your mind and your heart as you're living your own life in that space. It's interesting how that was part of the impetus for you guys. And then you ended up being in this crazy year, 2020 and 2021, when, when mm. all those social interactions were very limited. But I have the impression from you guys that it even though it wasn't necessarily serving one of the initial purposes, which was the conversation with guests, mm -hmm. it did end up sort of uh, giving you a sense of connection during a year, not only of such personal challenges, but of global social isolation. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, th those, those ideas kind of converge. I, I was, I was, creating the blog and, and one, my desire was to bring Baha'i art into the home, Baha'i inspired art into the home um, as a way to help me in my healing journey. And, but also kind of begin to create spaces throughout the house that were a, a better reflection of who we were as a family and, and our desire to share the message of the Baha'i faith with people. So why is it important to have your home reflect who you are? Hmm, that is a great question. And I think that uh, a, a lot of folks, including us, <laughs> for many years have struggled with that question. <laughs> or if you if you ever visit someone's home and you think, uh, I'm not sure if I really know who you are. <laughs> Um, but I think we've, our, our sort of, uh, interior design has definitely evolved since we were first married. Um, Ooh, yes. but why don't you take that on? Oh, we had so Rachel, many. Because you're really great at talking about creating those spaces and why it's important. <laughs> oh, well, we looked back at a picture of like our apartment earlier on in our marriage and we had a good laugh mm. <laughs> at our like hodgepodge I would call it trying to have style 
didn't know our style style. And <laughs> we kind of dressed that way. We we're like, look, what? Okay. It was, um, but it's more than superficial stuff, right? It's, it's mm. the, I mean, the reason that the gardens are the way they are, the Baha'i gardens and the spaces, I mean, it, space has a tremendous impact on your psyche and your, your behavior. And so I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, I feel an interplay between our internal space and experience and desire and how then do you then arrange your space around you to cultivate and, and focus on what you are feeling inside and bring that out. So it's kind of like a back and forth, like you feel an urge to arrange a space, you, you clean and you change maybe furniture positions or you add art and then step back and enjoy it and then check in with how you feel. I feel like it kind of has an ebb and a flow and definitely an effect on your internal state. Mm -hmm. So we, we, uh, we had a project that we did. Well, Jason actually did it basically as a, as a gift to me. I think I had been mentioning how much I would love to have the space uh, like a Zen den or like a womb room, we call it now, where it can just be for like women's circles or space to just be journal vision and to put some special like musical instruments. And, and I was just, I think, mentioning some ideas I had. And he did surprise me. He set up a room that we had as like a guest room. And it was felt very balanced with the masculine and the feminine and just grounded and like just tribal feel that I was trying to explain. And he just went and did it. Cool. And the feel, um, my friend, the first time she walked in there, she just walked in there and just wanted to lie on the ground and just be there. <laughs> Remember that was her initial response was like, oh, this feels so good. And she just laid on the rug and just rested. So that's like the power, that's like a small example of the power of space. You just walk in and you can just be. Mm -hmm. um, do you want me to speak to other projects around the home that we've done or what's motivated other passionate projects? I do want to hear about that. I just want to comment. It's such a beautiful idea to talk with your your spouse or your housemate or if you live alone even just to reflect like what qualities do I want in a home like how do I want it to feel or how do we want it to feel and what are our, our values and how do we make space for that in a balanced way like that's just such a beautiful consultation and a beautiful approach I really like that a lot as like a spiritual practice for your space and it doesn't have to be very very expensive you don't have to hire someone it isn't about what colors are trending it's about what do we want this home to be absolutely and so what he did he took everything that we already had and he just mindfully arranged it to try and balance the space and bring about those qualities that I just was mentioning in conversation. And there it was. And it was like tangible. Like even our son, Daniel was like, wow, it was absolutely tangible feeling. 
when you when you entered. Um, yeah, and it takes it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much, you know, effort if you just can just give yourself a little space to get really clear and kind of turn your attention within to what do you feel like you are needing at this time, mm-hmm. or what would you love to have more of and and, and create mm-hmm. in your life, and then from there, look at what you have first. And you can work with that, arrange that, and then see what you might want to bring in. But that's really can be that simple. I love that. And yes, I would love to hear more about your your hearth and your bedroom transformations and anything else, any other projects that you guys have done in your home that you've enjoyed, like you had a purpose, you enjoyed it, and then you've also felt a shift from having taken the time to do it? Yeah, the um, the bedroom uh, project was was um, really interesting. We we I think we noticed that we were putting all of this time and energy into the rest of the house, and then one of the most sacred places, important places in the whole home, our bedroom was was kind of just sitting there and so we undertook a a transformation of that space um and and the center this the centerpiece of of that transformation uh was was a um a piece of calligraphy and um it comes from a hidden hidden word some of the writings of of baha'u'llah and but it was also uh, the idea to uh, create a space. Rachel, I think, used the word that she wanted a space that invoked uh, passion, spiritual passion, emotional passion, physical passion. And um, that was really important for us. Um, and on my blog, I, I believe there's some, I, I write a little bit about how that transformation took place and the artwork that was selected and the paint scheme that was used. And uh, I talk a little bit about how important that transformation was for our marriage. Uh, And, and I think about that when speaking to um, other folks or even family members. And um, I think we should pay more attention to our, our bedroom space. It's, it's a it's a very uh, it's a very private sacred space. It's often the space where we, uh, if we if we have a higher power, it's where we 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 try our best to commune with that that higher power. So for us, transforming that space was um, was definitely part of the healing healing journey um, and strengthening journey for the marriage. That's awesome. Hmm. Anything you want to add, Rachel? She'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> I could feel a void. Um, yeah. <laughs> she had well, to step out for, for Luca just for a moment. Sure thing. Mommying yeah. is a full-time thing. I yeah. get it. Um, 
yeah, well, that is really cool that you guys took the, the time and the intention to do that. And I know you also did the kitchen. So it's kind of like the heart and the lungs. I'm not sure which is which, but of your home, you know, like these centers of, uh, of life force, you know? Um, yeah. And I think you started with the kitchen. Is that right? Yeah, we, we, we started with the kitchen. Well, the kitchen was, was sort of after the, the initial conversations about behind inspired art in the, in the, in the living room space and the, in the hearth space. And, um, and I think like a lot of folks during the pandemic, we realized uh, we maybe like a lot of people, we were in the home a lot and we mm -hmm. realized, Oh my goodness. Um, we have the time to work on these spaces and the kitchen we were spending a lot of time in the kitchen. Most folks were without eating out as much. And so um, the kitchen that, yeah, it was the first project. <clears throat> yeah. And I'll put pictures in the, the YouTube slideshow version of this, but would you just talk a little bit more about, I know you brought in some cool wallpaper and like just a little bit more I understand the reason for doing it like we spend a lot of time in the kitchen and mm -hmm. and that's really smart to make that a, a space that you want to be in mm -hmm. um but just a little bit more about what you guys chose to do with it and and what it meant to you yeah well I think maybe uh the our house was built in 1968 and so we have kind of a, it's a, it's an interesting layout of a house. Um, you, some people might call it mid-century modern in style, but it's, it's not really purely mid-century, which is a little mid-century modern, it's a little earlier time frame. But the, the architect had that mid-century modern um, thought in mind, definitely when he built the house. And, but the, the interiors, especially the kitchen were, um, kind of had been updated since the 1960s. And I think the, the, the last iteration of the kitchen was 1980s. And if any of the listeners remember what the style of the 1980s was, especially for kitchens, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> it was, it really was kind of a drab. Uh, you think the eighties were kind of colorful, but the kitchen was pretty drab. And so we, 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 removed all of the drab wallpaper, um, put colors in. We have uh, paisley, a one wall accent wall, paisley wallpaper, which is an orange and a red and a yellow. And then we um, changed the look of the, the other spaces, the walls, the cabinets. And we did all of the work by ourselves. We just worked on it slowly here and there. We didn't pay a contractor. Um, we just kind of learned what we had to do and, and went, went for it. And when you say we, you mean 99% you. Well. <laughs> Daniel even chipped in. We have videos to prove it, right? Yeah. Taking the wallpaper <laughs> off. I mean, you did a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, <laughs> I think there was something aside from all of the metaphysical stuff going on. I think there was something therapeutic about my recovery and just trying to physically get stronger and do projects around the house that would help me get me out of bed and get me moving around. And 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And you guys have a quote in your kitchen, right? Yeah. Yes, we do. Yeah, we we have a quote. And what is the quote attributed to Abdu'l-Bahá or is it? Yes, I believe it is attributed to Abdu'l-Bahá. Right. The son of the founder of the, of the Baha'i faith. And what is the quote? Our home is a place of laughter and exultation. I think it's my home. My home. My home is a place of laughter and exultation. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's so neat to not only set an intention for your home, um, but use one that is more or less from the sacred writings of your faith. That's very mm -hmm. powerful. Well, I would love to hear if there's anything else that maybe you haven't already said or to emphasize about how these moves towards cultivating space have impacted you. Like now that you've taken the effort, now that you've created it, and Rachel, you spoke about the, the interplay with your, your inner and outer space, like within your own heart and mind sort of space and and how it's impacted by your surroundings. Um, but just anything else about, you know, your children or your marriage or your own mental physical health and also the, the way it's impacted people who come into your home. Mm. I do think there's a sense from folks that come that do visit, even though that we, we don't have some of the, but we don't have the large gatherings yet. Uh, but I, I think folks feel very comfortable in our home. I've, I've, I feel like they, um, they sort of are more at ease when they come into our home. And um, that's what we want. And that's, that's really what we want. We want our home in, in as much of a way possible to be a haven for folks, for the family and, and for visitors. I think Luca and Daniel have seen um, Rachel and I getting closer together. Not that we don't have our <laughs> challenges, and uh, but I think since the diagnosis and then all the projects we've tackled, and then the emphasis on creating our home, trying to make the home a place of exaltation and laughter, I think, I think Daniel and I hope Daniel and Ray, um, Daniel and Luke are seeing that and it's impacting their spirits and uh, it, it'll have a positive impact on them as they, as they get older and are trying to find their way in life. Mm -hmm. No doubt. Rachel. The... Hmm. Yeah. I would but... hope words that that they have in their heart are fun and cozy and just a sense of intimacy. And what's the other word? Mm. Safety too would be all, because it's a wild world mm -hmm. um, and you, everyone deserves that. And that that would be some takeaways they have that can serve them as they eventually create their nests one day and it'll be fun to see mm -hmm. their totally. style. Totally. Do you feel that the home um, as it is continually 
sort of growing like a flower grows. Um, does it empower you when you're in the, the wider world? Does it feel different to have such a sacred space home when you're outside of the home? Of course, this isn't the best year for really measuring that, you know, because for everyone spending so much time inside, I'm just curious, like if you've noticed any effects of how you interface with other people or or how you are in the wider world um, mm. from having such a sort of magnet in your home. I think that um, the on the on the art side of things, it's it's given me definitely more um, avenues to mention the Baha'i faith to folks and share the story of, of, of me as a Baha'i. And, um, it definitely has helped in, in sharing that message with, with people. And Rachel, you share you know, the message of the Baha'i faith with folks that you come in contact with. Yeah, that's so important. I would say it gives you more courage. That was the word that came to my heart mm. because like even just thinking of an example of leaving the home for a couple of days, like we went camping in Assateague Island in Maryland mm. on the beach, right by the ocean, something we've never done before. And we all went as a family and that was like a big adventure, but I had this sense of like all is well with me before like a couple years ago I would have been like a little anxious about that I was excited and had a great time even though it was challenging to sleep wet cold hot in a tent with sand everywhere with a toddler it was a big challenge I had such a blast and then coming home was so exciting so it was all so much of a good feeling but it it does lead I feel like to courage I feel like I've had more courage and um just speaking about things that are important to me also in the past year with in my developing my skills as a mother roaster and growing and homemaking as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like courage for some reason came through for me. That's so mm -hmm. cool. I feel like that's just so desperately needed in the world and in mm -hmm. our personal lives for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, any final like tips or encouragement that you could give to people who uh, have heard this and they're like kind of intrigued and wondering like where to start and just like, yeah, how would you guide someone to, to help increase their courage to continue to start and to continue on creating their own mindful and sacred space in their home? comes from the heart mm -hmm. that's the word courage my understanding is it comes from the root of the french of core of the of the heart so mm. it just goes back to just really tending to your heart and that then leads you to realize your connection with other hearts around you and even who you know who might not be physically around you but they might be on the other side of the world mm -hmm. but to come back to that as your centering focus throughout your day is I guess that's been another lesson of the pandemic is like, wow, how do we get more into our hearts? Mm -hmm. um, for me, for sure, that's been a continual, mm -hmm. continual lesson. Yeah. And I would say that for folks that, um, 
sometimes we'll we'll see a project that we want to accomplish and we we shudder because we we just want it all tied up in a nice big bow and finished and it it's all been a work in progress uh for us the 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 outward physical things and and also the inward spiritual growth it's mm -hmm. it's becoming more content with just taking one step at a time and just working towards something just working towards something really is the, mm -hmm. the ultimate uh, mm -hmm. because you're never really going to arrive you're never really going to be finished you never know what's going to happen you're going to have to move and then the space that you thought <laughs> was perfect for for you you know it gets upended so um just little little steps is what i would say that's what we've been doing little steps i like it mm -hmm. cool well thank you you guys rachel and jason thank you so much for being in my life you're so inspiring for being my friend and for coming on and having this spiritual conversation with me thank you for yeah. having us thank you for having us my pleasure <laughs> Hey, podcast listener, thanks for taking that deep dive with me. If today's episode has inspired you, I invite you to check out some spiritual realism fine art yourself. Visit JacquelineClaireArt.com and really give yourself some time to look around, so to speak, and see what images really call out to your heart and soul. I offer the original paintings, which have all the texture and life force that went into their making, as well as signed archival paper prints, which make wonderful gifts or affordable decor, and custom canvas prints, which are kind of a blend of both. They look like original paintings. They're on stretched canvas, but they are reproductions. And for that reason, you can have the size customized to fit your space requirements. And the investment is definitely less than an original painting. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, I encourage you to visit my Patreon page linked in the show notes and consider becoming a member, a sponsor of this podcast. Membership starts at just $3 a month. Of course, it means so much to me, but more than that, it is a joy to know that you are a part of everything that I create and put out into the world. It is so much more than me. It is what we can create together and all the lives that I hope in some way are touched by the fine art, by the podcast, by the videos. So please check that out. And on Patreon, you will also get access to exclusive discount codes, news before anyone else hears it, and behind the scenes looks at things that I'm creating. All right, my friends, until next time, I wish you the best for playing your unique part in making this world a better place. I'll catch you next time.